0: well hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast it is thursday january i don't know what i just did there january 26th this thing is i hit a button here see what that does hold on hold on (laughs) There we go all right sorry about that guys um I hit a button there that just, I don't know, changed the uh, the key. I don't know that I need my uh, voice in A-flat. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, well, welcome, everybody. We, um, we are continuing in our reading through the New Testament in a year. And so today we are in Matthew chapter 5. We've been spending the last few days in Luke. Uh, and now, according to our handy-dandy plan, we're jumping over to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and then to stay on cue sometime between now and Monday, um, read Matthew chapter six and, uh, on your own. So Matthew chapter five, uh, as we, uh, so we chop away at this reading through the new Testament in a year. Um, all right, let's do it. You know what we do? Read, we read, we pray, we change the world. Matthew chapter five, you know, what's in this Matthew chapter five. It's one of those chapters like, oh yeah, Matthew five sermon on the Mount. Uh, yesterday we read S- sermon on the plain, which was from the Gospel of Luke, yeah, and we talked about the fact that you know this stuff was this this material, this this preaching, uh, this teaching was stuff Jesus probably taught many 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 times in different locations, uh, in public gatherings and private gatherings, large gatherings, small gatherings, on the hillside. Um, Matthew records for us an occasion uh, when it was when he preached it on the mountain. Luke records an occasion when it's on the plane. So, but let's see what uh, Luke, or I'm sorry, Matthew has to say uh, in his word in the word today. Matthew chapter five. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Um. Cultural difference there. Uh, in antiquity, a teacher would sit down to teach. You know, often we think of standing up to teach, Um, you know, standing up at a podium, standing up in front of the crowd. Uh, But often a teacher uh, would sit down to teach. Just a cultural difference. His disciples came to him and began to teach him, to teach them. Wait, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Yeah. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Joseph. Welcome, everybody. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty of spirit. uh, When you realize you're not God, (laughs) right? Once you realize, I don't have the resources to save myself. uh, When you reach that poverty of spirit, uh, those folks, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that's, That's access into all the resources and storehouse of heaven, where God does his work. For God abides and reigns. Verse four: Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's not only a word for those who are in a season of grief or sadness. Certainly, is that like when you're grieving, maybe the loss of someone or of something, um, then the great promise there is that God will will uh, comfort you but it's also related to the verse before blessed are those who mourn because of their poverty of spirit so it's even a deeper level of realization so i'm poor in spirit i can't um i i realize i'm i'm poor in spirit i can't save myself and then blessed are those who mourn like grieve the fact that i can't i don't know what to do those who mourn their own inadequacy um they 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 mourn their own poverty of spirit like they they're um um they're um, just broken because I don't know what to do. Blessed are they. That's, a good, that's not a bad place to be because you're going to find comfort. Mm. When you're at that place, you're like, I know I, I can't save myself, and I don't have the resources to save myself, and I feel it. It's moved from just a cognitive awareness to a, a visceral. I feel it. I, I mourn my brokenness. I mourn my, my sinfulness. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, or the humble. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hmm. I pray that we always um, hunger and thirst for righteousness that we um that that's that that's the deepest longing of our hearts is a hunger a thirst for righteousness for rightness for being right with god for living a right life um those who hunger for that really want that really want to hunger to to um uh, have that hunger they're going to be filled blessed uh favored are those Bl- happy are those Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Hmm. There's somebody you need to show mercy to? Uh, The Lord says you're going to be blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Hmm. Purify our hearts, Lord. Help us to have a pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Man, not those who stir up some trouble, not those who are always trying to pit one person or one group against the other, but blessed are the peacemakers, those who try to bring people together, build bridges. They will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. No better place than uh, the Beatitudes to illustrate God's uh, upside-down kingdom, right? Like it turns the 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 powers and the principalities and the precepts and the um, the assumptions of this world about what it means to have success and to be a winner. Uh, it turns all of that on its head. Um, if he because the world and worldly wisdom, um, the ones that. Um, achieve or success or succeed or the strong the joy the the happy the proud the uh uh the powerful but jesus says no it's uh it's people it's folks like that have a, a poor and that have poor a poor spirit those who mourn those who are meek those who are humble those who show mercy those are the those are the winners verse 11 blessed are you when People insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. <laughs> that because of me is an important part. Um, the persecution here is specific to uh, religious persecution. Uh, persecution related to the name of Jesus. Um, you know, <laughs> if people are if people are just mean to you because you mean to them, that don't mean you're blessed. That just means you mean. Uh, here is specific about um, the name of Jesus. If we stand up for the name of Jesus, stand up for the teachings of Jesus, stand beside justice and the truth of God's word, uh, and we are persecuted, Jesus says, blessed are you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company. You get persecuted because of the name of Jesus or because of righteousness, you're in good company. They did the same thing to the prophets. Mm -hmm. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. I I hope you hear that today. Like, you are. Like, you don't have to, salt doesn't strive to become salt. Salt is salt. You are the salt of the, the earth. If you are a follower of Jesus, the the message here is that work hard to be salty. No, you are already salty. <laughs> you're you you are the salt of the earth. You you are part of the community that that gives this uh, this place flavor. <laughs> you are you season this place, man. You're, you're what gives this place the the seasoning of of truth. Salt was a purifier. It was a preserver in antiquity. And so, as a Christian, you are the salt of the earth. The world need look, take this the right way, but the world needs you. The world needs the presence of Jesus. And the way the presence of Jesus um, manifests itself today is through his people. This world, look, the church, look, I'm going to say this. The world needs the church. Church doesn't need the world. Come on now. Sometimes we think we you know, man, I hope they like us. Look, the world needs the church. Now we we don't do that. We don't we don't uh we don't do that. We don't receive that mantle with arrogance or like, "Yeah, you need us." No, no, no. But that's the reality. The world is lost and condemned and doesn't know <laughs> it's behind from a hole in the ground. Oh uh, that went a different way. But anyway, yeah, but anyway, the world the world is lost. It's in darkness. The world needs the light. The light doesn't need the darkness. No. So the world needs the church. You are, friends, you are the salt of the earth. You you're, you're what makes this place salty. And the more we live out the the teachings and the and uh, al- allow the Holy Spirit to manifest its presence through our lives, the more that saltiness preserves and helps this world and by the world i mean people you are the light of the world man i hope you hear that today you are salty but it's but it's the salt but if salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it can't be it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Be salty, man. Be salty. You are the light of the world. Hmm. What's going to give the world light? The church, because of the presence of Jesus. Yeah, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You think about it, a town up on a hill, the, the city lights. You can see it for miles. You can see it for miles. The city lights. So a town that's up on a hill, you can't hide it. It's 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 a uh, it's discernible. It's it's uh you can see it from a long way off. And so as the people of God, man, just be the church. Just be Christ. You don't have to like, you know, it's not a it's not a self promotion thing. If you just be a follower of Jesus, just be the church, man. You are the light. It'll stand out. Can't be hidden. Neither do people put a light. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. They lift it up. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen, man. That's what we need to be doing today. Let's go out. Let's um. Uh, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. And not glorify you, not glorify us, but glorify who? God, the Father, who, sees, who, uh, who empowers those good deeds. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus didn't come to uh, to abolish the law. He didn't do something. Jesus did not. There's this. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, I, I like the God of the New Testament. I just I'm not sure about that dude in the Old Testament." <laughs> I love Jesus. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I love Jesus, and I I love how he talks in red and everything. He's nice. He's he's. he's he, I just like him. But the Old Testament, I don't. I, I don't. There's so much in there. I don't like it. Well, it's the same God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. What God? The Old Testament God, same God. Yahweh, there's only one, the I am. And Jesus is saying, look, I didn't, I'm, this, my ministry is not a, a, uh, is not a, a, um, a, 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 a divergence from what's happened from the Old Testament revelation. No, it's a fulfillment of the Old Testament revelation. I didn't come to do something new in terms of like, you know, part ways with the Old Testament God. No, no, no. I, he's, I, strictly speaking, he, he's my father. <laughs> I'm your father. But um, no, it's like I, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. It was pointing to me. And everything's going to be accomplished. It's all going to be fulfilled, verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and, teachers, teacher, and teaches other others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the, what teachings? The teachings of the law and the prophets. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, he's saying our righteousness, our righteousness with our, our is. Um, I think Jesus is here saying like it doesn't matter how you live. <laughs> you know, I'm, I didn't come to just uh, say hey, there's a new way to live. You if you're saved by grace. Doesn't matter how you live. No, your righteousness, your right living, your saltiness, your light should uh, should shine before others. It should uh, should be a witness to other people. It should surpass what the Pharisees were doing. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Hmm. But I tell you, is Jesus saying, But let me tell you what I say. It's got to, again, this is in the same theme if you got to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they, would, they, they agree with this, but he's saying, but I tell you, look, anyone who is angry with a, with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You're accountable for your anger. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And everyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Hmm. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and And uh, there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is saying what he's raised. He's like this: is the Pharisees are interested in in religious uh, ritual and obligation and adherence to uh, to certain rules and the processes, the way things should be done. Jesus is saying that I'm concerned about more than that. I'm concerned about relationships. It's not just about doing the right things, checking the boxes, but but ha- but really uh, going about genuine uh, reconciliation and and human restoration. So first, go and be reconciled to them. So up up earlier than that, he's talking just like processes. This is how you deal with uh, disagreements and conflicts between people. This is the this is the proper way to do it, but. Then he says, but look, this is what, I, what I'm saying is, if there's something, a relational uh, break with someone, work on the relationship. Be reconciled to them. Like, like he's saying, I really care about that. It's not just about you and Jesus. It's also about you and other people. And you and other people affects the relationship with you and Jesus. So fix it. <laughs> Deal with it. Verse 25, 20, uh, Settle matters quickly with your ad- ad- adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Fix, you know, solve. Try to solve problems. Try to work on making things better. Truly, I tell you, you will not, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. He's like, this is just some practical wisdom here, right? If you have a discrepancy with someone, try to try to solve it, try to fix it, try to reconcile it, because it can basically escalate and become even more damaging than is necessary. You have heard that it is said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble. This is hyperbole, guys. <laughs> this is hyperbole. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of the body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Yeah, so it's like the, the tied into the idea of lust, right? Like do what you have to create boundaries, right? He's using hyperbole here. It's like if your eye is causing you to sin then cut your eye out, not literally. Set up boundaries. If there are certain things that are tempting to you um, in terms of sexual immorality or lust, set up boundaries. Gouge it out, in other words. Like, s- s- make, your, make, make your environment a safe place so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, that is so prevalent, man, with uh, the internet, right? I mean, there's so much pornography, there's so much uh, sexual immorality on, uh, online. And so, what does that mean? It means maybe staying away from certain websites. It may mean setting up uh, certain filters on your computer. Um, It may mean um, not accessing your computer in private. It may mean taking certain apps off your phone. Um, That's the part that's gouging your eye out at, so to speak, right? It's like, what is what it needs to be removed so that you can create healthy boundaries around your life? And um, this is a real issue for millions of people guys this isn't like oh gosh the uh you know the, the whoever you think it might be you know who's looking at pornography it's everywhere guys it's everywhere and uh and you know that I mean you're online I mean yeah you, you don't have to be uh you don't have to be looking for it to find it and so what are the boundaries uh that we are creating in our lives um for safety I mean that's why some people have you know discontinued the use of certain applications, or they only check them certain times, or they only um, access them when they're in a group of people, because it can lead them down a path that's uh, they don't want to go down. That's wisdom, man. It's predeciding, right? It's deciding before <laughs> you make wise decisions ahead of time, so that you don't find yourself in that per-dink-a-dink. <laughs> that predicament, that per-dink-a-dink, right? So you make the you pre decide to set up boundaries. Yeah. Um, Because it's better to you know it's better not it's better to not have Instagram than to go to hell. (laughs) Just (laughs) right. Uh, It's better to have not not have TikTok than to go to hell. I mean that's what it's saying. All right. Verse thirty one. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. So basically, there was a procedure. If you want to get a divorce, this is how you do it. You got to give her. You got to do the proper channels here. Give her a certificate of divorce, verse twenty thirty two. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus is raising the stakes, raising the standard of marriage. Now. Does this mean you cannot be forgiven for divorce? Of course not. You can be forgiven for any sin. We talked about this before. There's no unforgivable sin except for the sin that is that you refuse to uh, to confess and repent of. But Jesus is raising the standard of marriage. He's saying, you know, it's not a matter. It's not just a procedural thing. You know, uh, you hear that all the time in our culture. Marriage is just a piece of paper. Oh, so is your mortgage. (laughs) So is that citation for you to go. Pay your fee. There's a lot of things that are just quote unquote a pieces of paper, but they—it's not that. It's they. Well, the, so is the Constitution. <laughs> it's it—it it represents something whole lot more. It's a covenant. It's a commitment. It's a promise, and so it's not just a procedural thing. Just get the paperwork done. No, no. Jesus is saying no. Th- this is a covenant. This this matters, and um, and unless it's for sexual immorality, you need to be. You need to be real, real cautious about uh, just running through with divorce. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said that to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, uh, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not uh, swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Ooh. Mm. So what is it Jesus saying? He's saying, let your word be true. Be faithful. Be faithful. Do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't make elaborate excuses. Yeah, I know. I promise I will. And as soon as I do this and do this, I'll do that. And then I'll be sure to do that. Just say yes. Will you or won't? Yes, yes, I will. No, I won't. Get your yes be yes and your no be no. Man, some people, some people, they kill you with their good intentions. I would, you know, I would, <laughs> you know, I wish I was as good as my good intentions. Don't you? <laughs> I wish I was as good. Just confessing. I wish I was as good as my good intentions. Hmm. Because that'd be pretty awesome. Jesus says, no, I'm not interested in your good intentions. Just be yes or no and do what you say. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, that sounds like something that may be in West Virginia. (laughs) Tooth, never mind. That's not nice. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. West Virginia is beautiful. It's a beautiful place. But I tell you, do not listen to an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also, other cheek also. Uh, He is talking about the face, right? (laughs) Ah, ah, (laughs) He is talking about your face, not the butt cheek. Anyway. And if anyone wants to sue you and take, you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you and do not take, turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Help people out. Be, be kind and generous, and compassionate, understanding. Be forgiving. 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies. Jesus is saying, as a child of God, you want to be salt? You are the church. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light. How? Because you do these things. And the more you do these things, the brighter that light shines. Why? Because it stands out, man. That ain't the way the world works. You ain't got to read a whole lot of this to know that ain't the way the world works. No. He ain't calling you to be part of the world. He's calling you to be the church. It's like, wow, that's different. That's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You can't do it in the flesh. You can only do it through the spirit of God. It's supernatural, huh? Yeah, it's supernatural. It must be, it's got to come from an otherworldly force and presence. Yes, it does. It comes from the spirit of God. You can't do this in the flesh. The flesh, if someone hits you on the right cheek, you cock him back your arm and you're gonna you're gonna knock somebody's eyes out. I mean, in the name of Jesus. But you know what I'm saying? No, but through in the, in the spirit, you forgive. Someone hurts you, harms you. Again, it's hyperbole. He's not talking physical violence here. He's saying if someone wrongs you, you forgive. That's supernatural. It's natural to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus says, "Nah, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to do that. But here's here's what also you need to do. You need to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's what God's kids do. God's kids do stuff that no one else does. Because we have a different father. We have a different DNA. We have different blood flowing through our veins. We have a different spirit that is enlivening our existence. It's the Spirit of God. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will that will you get? Or not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Here you go. Be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect wow now we're never going to be perfect to the degree that god is perfect i mean he's morally perfect he's ethically perfect he's he's uh he's perfectly pure so we can't in 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 degree we can't be as perfect as god but in the and the same kind of per- perfection that kind of perfection that kind of genuine perfect love. And what is what is perfect love? It's a um it's a it's an a, a purity of intention. Intend good for others, intend good for your enemies, intend good for those who harm you, those who hurt you, intend good for your for those around you. It's easy to intend good for those people those people who love you. What about uh, working good for those who um, aren't the nicest people on the planet? That right there, that's salty. That's salty. That's being salt and light. Damn, lot to think about. A lot to think about with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, man. That's, uh, that's why people have chewed over these words and read them and pondered them and reflected on them for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because uh, it's powerful. It's powerful.